This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning. You're listening to The Morning Run on BFM 89.9, the business station. I'm Melissa Idris with Julian Ng and Kusu Chuang. 9.34 right now and time for the SM show. This is, of course, the show where we rant about everything that's working in markets and what's not. And what a good day to rant, I would say. Lots of news to be ranting about. But today on the show, we're going to be looking at Warren Buffett's 2016 annual letter. Um, what do you guys think about this? I mean, there were several key takeaways from it, but we'll be talking a little bit. We'll, go, we'll be going through the um, annual let, the, the key takeaways of this year's letter. Um, but do you look forward to re- reading yeah, the Berkshire I, Hathaway letter? Yeah, I, I get all my shares in Berkshire A and Berkshire B. <laughs> of course you do. Put them all together and, and then I wake up. You know, if I have to give Warren Buffett an award, it would be the least blur invest, investor in the world. What do you right? mean least blur investor? He's so smart about investing, right? Yeah, well, yeah, it's kind of like um, stating the obvious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I don't know whether you guys have watched the new Rar- well, yeah, Warren, Buffett, being Warren Buffett. Being Warren yeah. Buffett, um, he what's started, that all about? It's, it's just a life story kind yeah, of thing. You it's know, about it's some like, guy, yeah, life story, some Omaha. guy. Yeah, you know, I, I, I have tried to look for a book that Warren Buffett himself wrote, but have not been able to find any. And all these other books that I find are books about. Yeah. Written ab- about Warren Buffett and not, and they're not very good. I just want, so which is why, which is why this letter is so. This is annual letter to Berkshire yes. Hathaway exactly. shareholders. Yes. twenty six years of annual letters, very detailed, uh, blow by blow, all his investments, where his thinking is, and that's kind of that's why it's kind of like the holy grail of all investors' events during the course of the year. Each time Berkshire Hathaway has an annual general meeting. You know, Omaha is flooded by people who have like clutching one share of Berkshire B, which is one hundred fifty thousand US dollars or something. Something yeah, like that's, that. That's that's the uh, share A. I think yeah, normal sure. people, all the all the hoi polloi, would get into uh, B. share B, right? Yeah, uh, that's yeah. the dual uh, class share structure, and and it's a cottage uh, tourist industry there. Uh, the annual AGM. Yeah, you of go along Berkshire. there, you get to try out C's <clears> candy. <throat> you get you get to you get cherry you coke. Know, you get shoved Geico insurance down your throat. <laughs> you get cherry cokes and. All kinds of stuff, but the headline event is, you know, Warren's uh, address himself. So what do you guys think? Uh, can you make money from just following little uh, pearls of wisdom from Warren Buffett? I think it's kind of like just learning how to fish rather than the fish itself. Because if you follow his principles and you buy into fundamentally driven companies, not something which is whiz-bang, tech glitz or glitter, I mean, he would never touch, he would never touch Snap with a 10-yard pole. He wouldn't have touched Facebook, even though it's gone berserk. But you know, he would have bought. He bought into. Wait, well, bought Apple. He bought into Apple after much, Apple became not much, very trendy. Much, much later. <laughs> after you know, I have to say, um, when he bought into Apple, I immediately changed my view of Apple as a tech company. <laughs> yeah, I saw exactly. it as an old tech Brick company, and as opposed to new tech, and I and that was a, a mindset shift for me. Which yeah, it, it is. is. I mean, the, the iPhone is ten years old, and in tech world, that's forever. Well, Apple itself is you know nearly fifty years old this year. You know, so. Well, a few iterations of the version Later, of Apple because yeah. they uh, at one point uh, nearly went bankrupt and at right. another point uh, Steve Jobs uh, left the company. Steve Jobs have, has yeah. again left the company right now. Yeah. So yeah. Mr. Buffett, Mr. He's Buffett. He's in the iCloud. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes, let's not is. joke about that. Oh, well, he, Steve Jobs no, is so true. close to our heart. <laughs> it is, right? Do you know what I mean? That's a good one, Chuck. Well, if you were going to make that joke, this would be the show to make that it joke would, on, would wouldn't sh- it? With the whipping yeah. sound and all that. But let's come back to Warren Buffett, who himself is, what, 86 years old? You know, he, you know, every letter from him is like the 
you know, you're wondering. It's like the he, gospel truth. It is. Okay, so let's talk about this year's letter. He No mention of Donald Trump, which was surprising, but um, he, he referenced the administration and um, what it could do. So I guess he's saying that, um, I almost say Malaysia, but <laughs> America is still great in his eyes. Um, and I, you know, uh, despite what Donald Trump is saying about America is, you know, what, what, is, what was the word that he was a massacre, was that in his inauguration speech? Oh, he said many, many, many ridiculous words. Yeah, things. I don't know whether we should take uh, Donald Trump's words seriously uh, or his tweets seriously. Well, but that, he is that, saying that America is still is still great despite whatever is happening politically. Ah, okay, yeah. So that I think that mention that lack of mention of Donald Trump by Warren Buffett is quite interesting because he's uh, been a lifelong Democrat. Uh, uh, Warren Buffett, that is, and he really supported Hillary Clinton during the uh, campaign. So, uh, you know, why do you think that uh, Trump was absent, conspicuously absent? I'm not sure. I mean, I just, you know, b- being the person that he is, maybe he doesn't like the bluster of a Trump. But ironically, and this is the chief irony of all. Um, I have the answer, though, but I, I just don't want to test this test, this <laughs> Julian Nung's test. But, um, you know, I mean, ironically, um, Warren Buffett's financial services holdings has had has had one of the best periods exactly. of its of its life of exactly. its of the period because of Trump's Trump. ascension. I mean, look at Bank of America; he's earned about five billion dollars from the increase in share price since the Trump bump happened. And um, that's irony because because Buffett himself didn't back Trump; he backed Clinton. Do you know uh, um, a tidbit uh, that I found out during the documentary Becoming Warren Buffett? His father was a hardcore Republican. Was a four-term senator, really? so yeah, wow. that he switched tax towards uh, becoming a Democrat is really interesting. Just to correct myself, not massacre, American carnage was what Donald carnage, Trump said. Yeah. yeah, he also said he drained the swamp off all these Wall Street goons. But then, what did he do? He drained the swamp and then put them in his cabinet. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, Bank of America is uh, something that um, Warren Buffett bought at the height of the global financial crisis. Back in the day when the stock was very very cheap at that time, and he didn't, he's he was very smart. He didn't buy into the stock itself. He bought preference shares, uh, pl- plus some options to buy into the what Malaysians would call the mother share. Okay, so the mother share. preference shares with options, and the preference shares are giving him dividends every year, right? Billions of dividends every year, and he has an option to buy into BOA at such a cheap price, at one-third of its current market price. So uh, Warren Buffett is essentially sitting on a $5 billion profit uh, right now. At the depths of the financial crisis in 2009, Warren Buffett did very much the same thing when he bought shares of Goldman's. I think Goldman's at that at that point in time was trading at about 80 bucks a share, which is which was like half of what it used to be. But he bought Prev shares. He got a 10% guaranteed dividend yield on that stock, and when it went up in the wake of the financial, you know, in the months and years after that, he made capital gains as well as still benefiting from the 10% dividend yield. And at the time, he also said that he still believed in America, even though America was the epicenter of the subprime financial crisis he bought stuff like Goldman Sachs he bought stuff like GE he bought stuff like uh, Santa Fe Burlington Railway he made a fistful of cash in, in the wake of that so yeah he's not a blur like. he's actually quite smart <laughs> <laughs> that's why I gave him that, that yeah. award is he? the, 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 the award for me blurrest, to Warren Buffett yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'm sure he'll treasure it always Jules <laughs> but okay let's take a look at um, his one of the things that he mentioned which was um, I think deviated a little bit from his uh, traditional strategy was you know how he 
always says he has he his preferred time for holding a stock is forever, right? That's his time frame. He's really long term, longer than you. Cannot be longer, Julian. is the longest person I know. (laughs) (laughs) He thinks he's gonna live forever. (laughs) Anyway, he uh, Warren Buffett is saying in his latest uh, letter that. Look, while forever is his preferred time frame, he still has the option to sell shares. So um, it is true that he, we own some stocks that I have no intention of selling as far as the eye can see, as he wrote. However, we have made no commitment that Berkshire will hold any of its marketable securities forever. So what he's trying to say is, um, yes, he's long term, but he can still sell. So don't take it for granted that it, he'll hold it's forever. It's forever to the existing crop of fund managers because they sell the stock next day, right? So yes. anything that you hold for more than Relative. a day is considered forever uh, for... Okay, I'm just saying that facetiously because fund managers, they hold stocks for at least three months uh, wow, to, to a year, a right? Time. But Warren Buffett... <laughs> I mean, the average stock holding of Warren Buffett is, is probably in the realm of forever. He, he might make adjustments here and there, uh, but that's not his average portfolio. The, the stocks that he holds in his portfolio have been there forever. Yeah, he's holding stock of Coke and Gillette since the 70s, right? Um, IBM. Is, I think he's got some IBM as well. Now, the other thing he's also said that he's got this long-running feud with the hedge fund people because he's, he's made a bet with, I think, Protégé Partners. That's right. In um, 2007, nearly 10 years ago, he said that over that 10-year period, uh, active funds would lose to the uh, inert, low-cost ETF funds and uh, and index funds, and you know what? It's turned out to be true. And I think the the one million dollar bet that he did with Protege will go to Bu- to Buffett, not Protege. Yeah, and, yeah, and and this is which is ironic because he is an active manager himself. That's right, uh, but not I, I guess not as active as some of these yeah. managers that we see around I, town. I have to say that I don't know what does he fall into the active manager category because he's quite passive for an active. Okay, manager. so some some <laughs> definitions some some definitions are in order here because. Uh, he is active in the sense that he doesn't follow an, an index. Whereas a lot of the, uh, the, the the definition of a passive investor is that they just buy into an index. They just invest into an index, which actually Warren Buffett is uh, going to do when he dies. He's, gonna, he's telling his uh, beneficiaries that actually apart from them getting nothing, not, not a lot out of Warren Buffett, he's going to say that part of his, his uh, what do you call that, his estate the bulk of his estate would be put into a passive S&P 500. But as of now, he is not passive in that sense because he doesn't invest according to an index. Right. He will buy stocks according to what he feels are good investment. But you look at that, that wager between Warren Buffett and Protégé, right? Very interesting because Protégé chose about uh, five hedge funds, actually not about, funds but exactly funds, like five five. Funds of funds, which are hedge funds, and hedge funds, uh, really, they can. The sky is the sky is the limit. Is their strategy? They can do anything to make money, and yet the best performing fund, uh, which returned about uh, six sixty three percent so far uh, to, uh, since the bet, sixty three percent, still underperformed the S and P five hundred index, uh, which returned eighty five percent. So, can you imagine the kind of existential crisis that? Uh, the believers of active managers uh, are going through right now. You see, part of the problem is because hedge funds, they tend to, they, they reckon they're so crash hot. So they, ch- they charge fees on top of fees on top of fees. So there's performance so expensive. fees. Yeah, base fees. And then you've got the, you know, the watermark fees. So at the end of the day, even though they may have done stupendously well, after netting off the fees that they, 
these you know rock star fund managers are getting paid, the returns will lag the index, as you say, because at the end, the index funds like the ones provided by for by people like Vanguard, your costs on an annual basis are minuscule, right? So Less then, than one percent. So going back to this existential question, right? The question then becomes. Based on this lesson, how should you invest? I mean, Chuang, I, I, I know that in the past you have advocated um, you know, looking at just stocks, uh, getting in and out of stocks. But does this change your view? It does. Everything? You see, yeah. but the thing is not everybody has the same kind of horizon. Like say, for example, me. You know, I don't have the next 50 years to invest my money. I've got to make it work within the next five or ten years. And then I want to go and sip a, de- a decory on the beach and, and which, somewhere, which, right? Which exactly sits in with that uh, wager, right? But if you <laughs> buy the index fund now for an S&P, for any S&P now fund, you're buying at a record high. You know, the Russell, the Nasdaq, the S&P and the Dow, all at record highs. Right. Why would you want to buy into something which is at a record high? It just beggars belief. You wouldn't want to do that. Yeah, but my question is, what would you do? Uh, so, th- th- <laughs> one one of the things I would, if I can help, if I okay. can help answer that, right? One of the things is that people say that hedge funds perform better in a bear market, whereas uh, the index yeah. funds perform poorer in a bull market, which it's what it has been in the last ten years uh, during the time of that wager between Warren Buffett and yeah. Protege. Is that a direction to go towards? So. What, what is the direction for the next 10 years? And in so calling that direction, we are timing the market, right? Well, well yeah. yeah. I mean, I, so what, I, I disagree with the idea of timing the market. Correct. But, uh, but we, I mean, to, we have to call a direction because say over the next 10 years, we think it's going to be a very, it's, a, it's going to be a, say, assumption, right? It's going to be a bearish market. It's going to come off the highs and what have you. Then that would dictate the direction you go. Okay, guys, we'll be back with more on the SM show, especially on the Oracle of Omaha's annual letter, just in a few minutes, right here on BFM 89.9. Good morning. You're listening to The Morning Run, 9.48. Right now, I'm Melissa Idris. I've got Kusu Chuang and Julian Ng here debating the issue of passive versus active investing. And we're talking, uh, of course, this morning on the SNM show about the Oracle of Omaha's annual letter. I also would like to point out that in the letter, Warren Buffett actually, um, he laid into the rich for being suckered by Wall Street investment advice. He estimated that... Um, that these investors had wasted more than a hundred, a hundred billion US dollars over the last ten years. Yeah, and isn't that what he's worth as well? Warren Buffett, almost hundred billion bucks. Oh, is that? Oh, right? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. second richest man in the world. He is actually quite famous for saying that you know Wall Street is the only place in the world where people uh, who arrive in in private jets take advice from people who arrive in who are who arrive in cabs. Right, and that's that's what the case is. And yeah, that phrase that, has always stuck with me for for ages. But so uh, then, yeah. uh, you know, we come back to the question of how you would invest given the lesson of the Buffett protege wager. I, yeah. I mean, I, I'm still trying to learn from this as well. Um, I think w- one of the ways is that uh, perhaps if you're expecting a bear market, perhaps shorting is the way, uh, although Malaysia does not provide efficient ways of shorting, in which case uh, you can only give your money to fund managers who can synthesize shorts. But Again, that is a product that's only available for rich people, right? Yeah. If, if you're saying that the S&P 500 might crash or the world markets might crash, the bull run has gone on for too long, then what hope is there for normal investors who can't, who can't embark on active investing and who can't afford hedge fund managers because they're too expensive? I'm not sure. You know, to be honest, I'm not sure. The, the options today are, at the same time, limitless and limited. Like, there's, today, there's been no other time when there's been such a plethora of options for investments but which ones of them are feasible to the normal Joe? I, I, I don't know. Seriously. 
Okay, guys, I guess um, there we on go. That somber note. On that somber note, <laughs> since we were talking about Warren Buffett. Not everyone can be Warren Buffett, but at least we get you know, some, some drops of wisdom, some pearls of wisdom from his annual letter uh, from the Oracle of Omaha and um, founder of Berkshire Hathaway. It's uh, now 9.51 and uh, you've been listening to the SM Show. The show, of course, where we rant about what's working in markets and what's not. I'm Melissa Idris with Kusu Chuang and Julian Ng for the morning. Run. We've got the news coming up in less than 10 minutes. After that, stay tuned for Enterprise with Fridelu. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, the business station.